Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. We are back. How are you, Dr. Smith? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Cannot complain. Of course you're not going to complain because you never. Of course. <laughs> you never complain. That's my, I'm working on that, not not complaining. So Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't really uh, advance the cause anyway. So <laughs> You're exactly right. When I start hearing myself going into a complaint, I'm like, well, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. So, yeah, it's just a waste of energy. So, it is. You know, it just, really is, especially nowadays because good grief. There's yeah. just a lot we could complain about. We're not going to do that, yeah. though, because today we have another phenomenal show. But before of we course. get into the phenomenalness, even though that's not a word, of the show, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to let you go ahead and, and do your music tip. Yes, I do have a music tip this morning, and it's basically, it's sort of similar to the other one that we, we talked about, about going to um, events and, and things. But this is... Uh, more of your own personal research. Uh, the tip is to read the bios of artists that you like and mm-hmm. are actually go watch biopics about about them. And it gives you a good perspective of the industry and it gives you a perspective how that artist navigated the industry and, and had the success that they had. And mm-hmm. what it will do, it'll, it'll give you some some insights and things and ideas that you might not have to uh, to address some issues that might be going on in your in your life that were similar mm-hmm. to that that artist, so that's that's pretty much the tip. Absolutely, you should always be. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm just such a when I like a musician or an artist, I dig in, I dig deep. Right, right. <laughs> I want to yep. know everything about them, and so that curiosity, um, I think, is you know, it goes a long way. Not only in just you know understanding that artist, but like you said, really knowing the pathway, and you can see some similarities. And you know, I think especially when you see their struggles and their challenges, right. um, you know, you don't want to always just see the sunshine, but seeing the struggle, you know, can help you because that's typically where we all we all want to <laughs> the misery loves company. Right, we want right. to be able to connect in that space. So no, I think that's a that's a great tip. That's a great tip. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to take the mic. So, so yet again, we have, we're going to be having two Williams on our, (laughs) on our podcast today. I'm really excited to uh, introduce this gentleman. I, um, I met William Kirk. Good grief. I don't know. He'll have to, when he joins in in just a moment, he'll have to, we'll have to kind of see. It's been years though. And I wanted William to be a part of this podcast because one, he's just a phenomenal artist, like just on many, many, many levels. But beyond that in, in his craft, um, I think his humility and his honesty, his humor, um, he's independent. Uh, he's, he's independently doing some amazing work and releasing things. Um, so I, I really hope that those artists listening today, you know, I know we've had, you know, we had Will Downing on and we've had some, you know, players that may be more mainstream. But I think it's important for 
artists to see themselves beyond just the mainstream platform and be able to see themselves in other areas and understand that you can do this um, in many ways. So without further ado, hello, William Kirk. How are you? Greetings and salutations. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here once again in the flow of <laughs> artistry and um, sharing ideas and such. So I'm doing well. Um, you know, it's, you know, my birthday was a few days ago. So new year, new me. Oh, awesome. And um, yeah. happy birthday. Leo season, baby. <laughs> Leo season. I was going to mention your birthday during this. So I'm glad that you kicked off because you are a year older, but that, you know, wiser older doesn't mean old but exactly yeah right and and we we rebuke that little (laughs) stigma of time that goes along with age where you know you mentioned um i don't know how long we've technically known each other but i can tell you it was during barack's first term when we yes right might have been like the early part of the term too so right um, right. you know time time just moves and I don't even worry about that stuff anymore. I mean, you know, everybody looks the same and everybody's here. So that's what matters. And, you know, nobody's in a nursing home yet. Right. Not yet. Not yet. We're, we're working toward it, but not yet. Well, not yet. Not I, yet. <laughs> I would love for you to share with the audience just one, what it is that you do musically um, and your background, how you, how you got to where, where you are. All right. Well, I am a, working musician, meaning that I perform um, mainly on piano, keyboard instruments. I am a pianist or keyboardist rather, and um, occasionally a vocalist for hire, but I'm also an artist. So I do my own creativity in terms of writing songs and composing. And as far as how I got started into it, that was really my pathway. Like I wanted to create and write because I had a lot of ideas. I had a lot of arranging and compositional ideas that I wanted to be able to execute on my own. So around 15, that's when I get really serious about piano because I was using that as the tool to write. What's funny is um, I grew up in a musical family, so I was always around music. So my grandma is Dr. Lena McGlynn. Um, She's a renowned composer and writer in her own right. And, you know, she plays piano like out of this world. So Mm. growing up, I just never thought I would play piano because I was like, that's too hard. Like that would never happen. Um, And lo and behold, uh, my grandma would put me in the church choir. She's also the pastor of the church. So she, um, she put me in the choir when I was like 13, no warning, just, all right, you're in the choir now. Okay, fine. (laughs) Um, Ain't nothing I can say about it. So I was in the choir and then, by virtue of me being in a choir, it kind of activated my momentum for get, getting deeper into the music. So I was thinking to vocal warm-ups for the choir. I was starting to just idealize harmonies for different hymns and arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the short story of how I got into it. And then from there, I furthered it by, you know, getting involved with, jazz programs around Chicago. My first mentor, Ken Chaney, um, who who was um, a superior influence in my life. Um, he was the first person I would recall outside of my own family who gave me a chance in the sense that mm. he had a big band. He let me sit in 
and um, he kicked my butt all throughout it. So <laughs> I had to learn some other levels of my musicianship through that experience. And then college, um, studying under Bill Russo, uh, Columbia College, and then met Tom Washington, who was also known as Tom Tom 2084, a horn arranger for Earth, Wind & Fire and Genesis and many others. So um, those like my mentors outside my own family. And then there's many more, of course. But that's just the flashcard version of William Kirk's <laughs> early music life and how <laughs> I got into it. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, that's that's a illustrious uh, background uh, to some of the the folks you've you've been been learning from and studying with. Um, Bill Russo is is a big name for jazz musicians who know uh, the the arranging side, and mm-hmm. uh, and I I wanted to ask you about that. How, how was that experience uh, at the university um, going through that? Oh, it was magnificent. Um, there's a bit of a interesting story of how that even happened. And essentially when I got into college, my first full semester in college was at Northern Illinois. So I was there studying as a vocal performance major, but I really wanted to get into jazz studies. But the head of the piano department basically told me in so many words that I had not been playing long enough to study at a Mm -hmm. higher level. So I couldn't get a placement. So I got the placement test at Columbia got in, got the Jazz Study Scholarship. And from that moment on, Bill Russo was a dude who um, continued to encourage me and challenge me. You know, it's a it's a fine line of, you know, that saying in sports where you want a coach that's going to kick your butt, but also inspire yep. you to be better without you feeling like you can't ever achieve it. And Bill Russo, in terms as an arranger and a teacher, um, he inspired my – my my mindscape rather to um you know reach for the stars in terms of arranging and writing and um right you know just to see all of the things that he's done and be a part of that while he was still active during that time it was um it was a pure humbling experience so yeah um everybody who came out of columbia late 90s early 2000s whatever you know we all had bill russo and um you know, mm-hmm. Maurice Brown, who's from here, lives in New York, there. He was in the program with me. Um, mm-hmm. And just and Corey Wilkes, another trumpet player, mm-hmm. colleague of mine. Um, we all were in that program and um, everybody's doing great. Everybody's doing their thing. And um, they were already dope. But, you know, being in that program definitely helps, you know, harvest that even more. And, um, you know. Bill Russo, definitely one of my influences. And, yeah. you know, yeah, for folks it goes know, on and uh, on. Yeah, for folks who don't know, he's uh, he, he did arrangements for Stan Kenton's Kenton Orchestra, Maynard Ferguson, and a whole bunch of other people. So uh, yep. just, just a little background. But uh, I'm, I'm going to hog a little bit, Kenya. Go <laughs> ahead. I, I know. Once you, once you jump <laughs> no, in. No, no, you go you, ahead. You, you, you gonna, Even though uh, I had a follow-up question. I, I'm just playing. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll let you get that one. This was related to, to some of that, too. But um, And I guess from, from those experiences, learning from those arrangers, composers, and other musicians, uh, what do you, what do you from, from your experience, what do you say uh, are some of the most important habit habits and character traits that you have to have to be a successful performing musician? Well, the most essential 
component in my personal opinion, or should I say my humble opinion? Cause everybody <laughs> likes to, you know, preface like my humble opinion. Um, so I don't sound like such a pompous, right, but um, right. you have to listen to everything. And I don't mean yes. just sitting around um, forcing yourself to, you know, listen to stuff that you just, feel like you have to listen to because people say, but you have to have a mind to explore and an open mind to receive some new ideas. And, and, and for me as an arranger or a composer before anything, like I'm a lover of music, I'm a fan. So while I do this as a profession and this is what I do, I started off my journey as a fan of music. So everything that I listen to from the pop side, from the jazz side, from the classical side, from the sacred side, that includes gospel, that includes, um, you know, all types of music, world music, especially. Um, You have to have an ear that will suggest that you can imagine things in a certain way. It doesn't mean that you can, that you have to take from everything, but just by the nature of how we learn and how we develop as people, we subconsciously take from stuff all the time. That's just how it mm-hmm. happens. Even if, you know, from, from the, from the moment we started walking and talking and um, cracking jokes, like, you know, everybody grabs something from somebody or some, their environment. We're all products of our environment. So um, that is a very crucial key component that I always put out there that you just have to listen. Um, that includes when you're a musician, you're, you're playing on the stage with other musicians or, you know, if it's just yourself, you have to be able to listen to what's happening while right. you're performing to, because right. right. um, it can get crowded. I mean, Kenya can attest to this, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. if the band gets too excited and, um, <laughs> you know, the drummer wants to take an early solo, then, you know, things <laughs> could get loud. <laughs> Um, not not to put the drummers out there, but hey, bass players can do it. Right. Keyboard players right. can do it. Right. But right. but yeah, just listen. You know, um, know what the role is as a performing artist. Like as a piano player, I take the role as an accompanist. So if I'm playing behind a vocalist, and I know that's my role to make them sound good, that's what I do. It is not right. my 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 opportunity to become a black Liberace in that moment, you know, (laughs) I am there to support and anchor the song. And for me as a, the other thing that I will just throw in there really quickly is that I love and appreciate songwriting and composition for the information that's embedded within it. So a lot of times as a performer, we want to do our thing, you know, go way off on the deep end and people want to Mariah Carey stuff to death. They want to like, ornamentate melodies and stuff. Sometimes it's best to just let the melody and the music do what it does. And if you feel Mm -hmm. it in certain areas, you can embellish it. But ultimately I always just say, respect the music as much as you possibly can. Cause you, cause the music is already there. It's written. um, Certain people that, that are not, you know, musicians or artists, they're used to hearing it a certain way. And, that's there's a reason for that because the information within the music basically dictates what yeah. needs to be said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's, those are my bullet points. Awesome. 
Awesome. Ooh, so many nuggets in that. See, I knew there's I knew there's a reason why we have stayed so connected because everything you just said, I'm just like the Amen choir behind you. I'm just like, yes, yes, but I didn't want to interrupt you. But no, <laughs> the, <laughs> the listening, oh my God. And I think I've said that many times, you know, how important your ear um, in every way, like what you were saying from the point of trying to, you know, um, to influence you and in, in how you write and so forth, but also just, you know, in the moment of performance and, you know, how important that is to to listen. And so you can feel what's what's happening, you know, in the present space. Um, so I, I really hope. And, and when you were talking about, you know, being a accompanist and, you know, a lot of times singers, you know, as a vocalist, that's like our biggest complaint. Yes. The band's too loud or, you know, you know, wait, you know. Um, and so being able to learn as a vocalist to also though listen, because if you, you know, you can, there's a way that you can control the band as well. Um, as a vocalist, if you, you know, not just by cueing, but by what you're kind of doing vocally, if you keep on shouting and shouting, they might just keep revving and revving. But if that's not the space you're trying to go, um, you know, to, to control that somewhat. But um, really good points. You had mentioned, and, and this is something that I think is really important, I want to highlight and, and kind of dig in just a little bit more, is um, you mentioned about challenge challenge and how you you know it was important for your mentors to challenge you and I think that sometimes artists get afraid <laughs> of challenge or they they get um distracted like um you know I'm not they are disappointed in that um how do you how did you or how do you overcome kind of when when your mentors were pushing you and like you said you know they were he was like beating you up and you just kept going was there just a lot of love behind that? But what did you what did you have to do for yourself to get through that? Because I think a lot of artists struggle with that. And they also will self-sabotage by not seeking the challenge because they're afraid, you know, of, of, of meeting the moment. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a deep one. Um, yeah. I think that ultimately when it comes to your determination to be better, you will accept the challenge. And even if the challenge is you in an uncomfortable space, whether it's, you know, in front of your peers and colleagues, um, in a teaching environment, like the one I mentioned in Bill Russo, that's an environment where everybody that you are friends with or colleagues with is looking at you being told to do something. And if you don't do it, then Mm -hmm. the teacher is going to come, come harder on you. And then, they're going to kind of make fun of it just mm-hmm. because that's kind of the nature of, you know, adolescence behavior. You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. you have to be willing to make a decision that, okay, you're here to learn Like at, at the core of it. When I was studying with Ken Chaney, Ken Chaney, basically there's a very short story that goes along with this answer to the question of challenge, which mm-hmm. is um, the first time I sat in with the big band, we played Corner Pocket, which is a Count Basie standard. Mm-hmm. It is a standard of standards. Um, at the time, I did not know the piano intro. And there is a very profound <laughs> piano intro to this song. Like, you can't play it without it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Um, and there was a full chart in front of me. And I couldn't read the chart fast enough. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I had played instruments before that where I knew lines and spaces but I never played piano where I had to play grand staff 
together. So mm. that was a challenge. So we he counts the song in and there's no piano. And then the horns come in. They play the chart. <laughs> Ken, Ken goes at the end of the song. He goes, all right, everybody sounds good. Piano, learn the part. And that was the PG version of what I'm saying. He didn't say, right, right, I mean, he, right. he, he said it even more explicitly, but yeah. essentially what happened was that happened on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, I knew that whole intro. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, and I went to the record store in Hyde Park in my neighborhood. I went to Dr. Wax and bought like the definitive Count Basie collection. Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to it and I studied it. And um, that's one of those moments about challenge where you could be put on the spot. And if that very moment you feel like you're offended or you can't get through because your ego took a blow or you feel that, you know, it was done in an inappropriate way, but you're there to learn, Mm -hmm. then you have to reconsider why and what you're doing in the field of how deep you want to go with it. Like, is this just a leisure thing and Mm -hmm. you just want to do it to, you know, I always wanted to do this type of thing. But Mm -hmm. if you're really trying to do this and this is what you're meant to do, you rise to the challenge, you know, it's, um, you know, it's the eye of the tiger, thrill of the fight. You know, <laughs> that's, that that's a, you know, you, you just you just broke down some serious. Uh, it, it's it's really quiet and subtle, but it's like one of the the biggest important lessons for people to learn in their careers is this: whenever something happens to you, it's what do they say? Is uh, life is not about what happens to you; it's about how you respond to it. Right. And yeah, and you uh, and you did exactly the the right thing. You went and became a, a, a scholar on Count Basie. <laughs> after right. that one situation. So, you know, it's, and, and as a teacher, I, I see that in my students. And uh, if, if, if they would go when they missed the mark on something, they would go and, and find and research and, and learn about it and come back. You know, you just get, gain so much respect for them as, as a student um, right. that, you know, it's, it's, that, that's, that's paramount. What, what you just said is like one of the most important lessons for people to learn. Yep. That is that dig in yes. factor. It is that dig in factor. And and I think unfortunately, generationally, that's becoming harder and harder because of the the ease of accessibility and the ease of, oh, well, then I'll just go do this, you know, um, or I'll just go check on this or I'll just go get the cliff notes or I'll just go, you know, I'll go on Spotify and listen real quick. Like the, the dig in factor, I think it's harder, um, but it's so critical, so critical to, to dig in. So. Okay. Yeah, awesome. it's yeah. it's harder, but in in the technological realm of where we are, because of certain artists and you know some of us remember a time when we had to go to libraries and record stores and <laughs> right. Uh, right, right. video right. stores. You right. know, we, in our minds, we might think it's easier because you got everything before you, but there's mm-hmm. also twice as many distractions too exactly. on top of that. So. You got, you know, Kiki, do you love me videos every two seconds <laughs> in between trying to research stuff, you know, oh, so right, right. that's the sign of the times, you know, that, yeah. that, that basically outlines everything about <laughs> what is the situation. Right. <laughs> Not the Kiki I swear, video. <laughs> all no, day. It's true. It's true. A guy just got uh, hit by a car because he was doing the Kiki, Kiki video in the middle of the street and didn't. He had his car on neutral, so he jumped out of his car to do it real quick. 
but he didn't have it in park and the car rolled and hit him. Wow. I mean, he's wow. alive. He's all right. But I mean, yes, you are right. The, I mean, we can't, yeah. our, our attention span, um, it's that, that, like I said, that dig in is, is harder. So. Yeah. Well, let, let me, uh, let me get, uh, one other thing in, um, you, uh, I saw in your, your bio about you were reviewing, uh, gear and instruments. Uh, was it for yes. a magazine? Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Who, uh, how did that start? And, uh, cause a lot of people are interested in that type of thing and, and how, how they can sort of get, cause that's different from getting an endorsement. See, a lot of musicians want to try to get endorsements, but there's other avenues and ways of, of aligning yourselves with these, these manufacturers and getting, you know, instruments and stuff. But I wanted you to talk about that real quick. Yeah. So, um, this is kind of one of those testimonies of you keep doing what you're doing and you don't know what's happening. You don't know who's watching. You don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen, but you keep doing it. Somebody's going to notice you and find you resourceful to incorporate you what they're doing. And almost a year ago, I would say maybe going back to last September or October, I did my first video with reverb.com in October and how that happened was there were just a lot of um, colleagues that, you know, just being on Facebook and social media, I would post my gigs. I would post my videos. Um, I have a Miss Pac-Man music video that I've always posted. It's, it's an animated video. And it's really the only true, legit, official music video that I actually put out. But, yeah, I, I, I just throw stuff out there. And just so happens that... um there's a colleague of mine that I went to college with. Um, We were, I guess in the same building, but we were, you know, we never really hung out a lot, but yeah, I remember him (laughs) from college and it was cool because he was a cool homie, you know, he was a cool cat, but we never really had any direct time around each other. And turns out he worked and he basically, um, was he pitched this idea that they were starting a series about basically recreating certain sounds for certain songs using vintage synthesizers and keyboards. And one of the criteria that they were looking for was somebody who was not only a musician who knew how to do it or had some knowledge about, you know, playing it and all of that, but they needed somebody who could bring personality to it without it feeling like a sterile workshop that most musicians, you know, either mm-hmm. go to or they watch online. It's like, okay, this is how you get, you know, the saw wave sound of this song. And they, mm-hmm. they sit there and they look, you know, anywhere from halfway serial killer to like <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> aficionado. And they, they didn't want somebody who looked like they knew every, every bit of, um, the Star Wars uh, table, and they want somebody who looked like they um, kill people either. But I guess I fit the criteria in terms of the the the, the camera presence and the personality and the look and the musicianship. Right. Yeah, right. the look and and the ability to actually execute the parts that were being played. Um, right. I mean, I feel that music overall should be fun, and even when you're learning and sharing information about music, it should feel, 
adaptable, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of people that watch the series and they don't play keyboards. They don't, they're not even musicians right. and they're entertained by the information that comes through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's more or less awesome. how it happened. It was one of those, I put some stuff out there and by happenstance, something have something happened on their end where they needed to go in a certain direction. And then my homie reached out to me um, and said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. I don't know if you're interested in this, but this is the deal. And so I was like, cool. And then I, I met them. I met everybody at the company and um, did like a little interview thingy. And they were like, yeah, this is going to work. And um, wow. we're season two and um, many more yeah. to come. I mean, I guess it's going very well. People are liking it. So um, it's, yeah. it's a different thing, too. That's why yeah, yeah. they felt that, you know, to piggyback on your question um, or, you know, your statement about doing other things, there are always alternate avenues to, you know, push your brand or to put your face in different areas where your talent and your gift is put in a different context. And therefore, as a, as a musician and artist, it is most common to feel like, all right, well, I need to do shows. I Mm -hmm. need to, um, have gigs and yeah, that's important, but you also need to diversify other things to, to be of service to your humanitarian skill set. And I also do, um, community outreach work with music, working with Urban Gateways. We're in the schools during the school year, um, mm-hmm. teaching children about the evolution of African American music, which is the name of the presentation. Um, by way of um, my my dear friend Bruce Henry, who's a vocalist. So mm-hmm. Bruce is the anchor of it, and I kind of jump in and do the latter part of the presentation. Um, and we do the dances and we talk about the music and, you know, how to, how that ties in. So yeah, all types of ways. And the reverb way is just one of many, but um, it is like an educational edutainment, as they say, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, wow. you're doing so, so many nuggets, Will. Good grief. You're saying a lot of things that are just, just right, right on target. Right on target. And uh, I was actually going to ask you. you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you you kind of were starting to allude to this, the importance of going beyond just trying to get a gig or just get a show. And and one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is teach people, you know, about managing their own business and what that may or may not look like. And so we don't just sit and talk about get a gig. I mean, we try to talk about all the different ways that you can, um, you know, generate business, but also generate your brand, generate your exposure. Like you said, give back community, these different things. So it sounds like you do a lot of things and I know you, I know you do a lot of things. So how are you, how are you able to manage that? (laughs) Because this is the biggest thing. I think artists are like, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I I don't have time for this. How are you? Cause you are, you, you don't work at target on the side, right? Like this is, you know, music is, (laughs) I mean, I would love a pair of khakis and a red shirt, but I don't do it on the side. (laughs) So music is really the, the big sustainer of your life. So how are you managing 
the the business of this so that you can live doing this? Well, as any job in any any facet of life, um, you have to develop a routine, and this includes you know whether you're um, you know I don't know if anybody's a professional bodybuilder or anything, which I know nothing about. But one thing I do know <laughs> is that they have routines. You know what I mean? Right, they have right. a system and a schedule they stick to, and it may not necessarily mean that you have to do this seven days a week in order to survive, but you do have to have some consistency. And one of the things that I have done since I've been in the circuit working professionally and, you know, just thriving into the realm of life is that, you know, of course there's the the down seasons when stuff isn't happening as much, which is winter time, generally speaking, but Mm -hmm. The way I've been able to do is consistency. So while I'm also, I play gigs and I, you know, I play piano and I sing from time to time. One of the things that I do is I always not only just stay learning about different styles and disciplines within the art of music itself, but just learning how to diversify what I do in terms of services. So one of the things that I do, which is, which came out of necessity because as a musician, I've, I work for different artists and play different gigs, freelance, and I show up to gigs and it's a, you know, it might be a more elaborate gig where with more music than I may have time to learn. So I may say, Hey, you might need some charts for this. So I actually do charts I actually do chart work. Um, I spent a lot of years, um, one of my mentors I mentioned years ago, um, not years ago, but minutes ago. <laughs> well, I've known him for years. But he's, he's known um, him for years. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom Tom. Tom Tom is a mentor who essentially got me sort of strong on using finale um, which is a music notation software. And then there's Sibelius, which is another one. But essentially, Tom Tom is the one who, um, truth be told, you know, I mean, he kind of, in one instance, kind of did my homework. But he did it to show me how to do it. Therefore, right, right, right. I was able to do it after that. So technically, I still did my homework. He just showed me. But, right. but yeah, um being around people that you can learn skills from and do different things. Like I can, I can do some very basic video editing. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people might say, I need you to make this look better than it looks now. And, you know, I'm not going to give you like Steven's quality means, but I can make it look unique. Cool. Um, Being able to, um, you know, as an artist nowadays, you know, and everybody knows that you have to be multifaceted in your skill set to yes. survive. So yep. um, yes. doing basic graphic design, um, being able to um, now this is a curveball one, but this is an important one that I'm actually pushing for, which is um, being able to send itinerary to clients that outlines exactly what they're looking for in a gig, because sometimes I'll get a call and they'll say, I mean, this is a true story. I can send you screenshots of text messages like this, like right now. 
Are you gigging Saturday? <laughs> I Are you, you said gigging this Friday? on social media, and I was cracking up when you were yeah. talking about this. But you oh. are so right. Yeah. Not yes, knowing how. it is. Yeah. It is a talking point of my life now, and I am not ashamed to talk about it because this is real life, and y'all know what it is. It's mm-hmm. the, what I've done is just of um out of charity, I made a gig information sheet, which basically will you well artists will use and can use to get information from their client about details. So. Mm-hmm. Instead of you going through 20 questions of asking, well, um, where is it and what time and <laughs> am I going to be able to eat food because of this gig or am I going to starve? Like, the, you know, the basics. <laughs> the basics. Yeah, just the basics. The basics. Right. So right. Um, being able to be administrative in a way with music is also helpful. And, of course, there's a super key one that I almost forgot but i cannot forget because it's so key which is teaching like teaching obviously is a very strong foundation of how i've been able to be a musician but also Mm -hmm. how i'm able to continue being a musician full time um i've worked as a piano teacher and um i did some you know, I did a lot of musical directing with different theater companies. So in a lot of ways, that's like teaching, but, you know, with the right. focus on directing the music for a show and stuff. Um, and yeah, just being able to, you know, do a lot of different things accordingly. And with the routine, going back to what I was saying about the routine, the routine usually balances out after a while. Like, there was a point where when I was in college, I would, you know, practice a certain amount of hours and then I would, you know, go about my day, go to class and do whatever I had to do. But um, your routine is important. So for the younger artists, get a routine now. For the older artists, start a routine if you don't have one. The routine right. is what keeps it cracking all the time. Right. So, right. you know, don't want to get stuck on Facebook uh, 20 hours a day, which time, is, aren't you know, we, Dr. Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We, you, you've, uh, you, you've brought home some, some huge nuggets, and I'm actually going to use you and your, your website in my class this semester to show students how to put together a website, how to present themselves, because you have a downloadable bio. I mean, that's like you know so helpful for, uh, for people who are trying to book you. All these things. So that's you know, there, there's a lot of things that you're, you're sharing today. And a lot of things that that you just talked about it that are so important for for artists and musicians to really uh, sort of mimic and follow what you're doing. So I appreciate you uh, sharing your your thoughts with us today and and, uh, and your your life experiences. So this has been oh, awesome. Thank you. Awesome. We'll include in our show notes all the ways that people can follow you because your social media is hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. You want to follow Will Kirk because he's very engaging, but at the same time, it's really smart. It's really smart humor. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Thank you so very dearly, Kenya and um, Dr. Will. In the house, you know, <laughs> wills r- rule the world. Wills That's right. rule the world. Lord, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Insert King Kong beating chest. Yeah, it's, ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Emoji. Emoji. Yes. <laughs> it's so tough being a girl. It's so tough being a girl in all of this. Good grief. Oh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> are you still cool? Yeah. You still cool, Kenya? I'm Kenya? still cool. Oh, of course I am. What you talking about? I'm leading this. No, anyway. I'm, I'm yeah, like, see? Queen. queen. You're the queen. Queen. Oh, hell, Kenya. Oh, anyway. <laughs> All right. All right, Dr. Smith. Cool. This is another good one. So, yep. yes, Lock everybody. Yeah, these are really good. So keep tuning in and again, listen to or read the show notes so that you can make sure you can follow Will and all that he is doing. And we'll be back. We'll be back Next soon. Week. I think we're taking a little bit of a That's a right. You were taking a break. Yep. Yeah, we're, so we'll one little quick soon. bite of summer and then we'll be back with, with some really amazing artists. So. All right. See you all soon. Yes, indeed. Oh, <laughs> adios. Bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creating crimson.com or DRW Smith at making money in the music biz biz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.